This episode of the Old New York Podcast is brought to you by Vaughn's Collectibles. Guys, these motherfuckers didn't even ask me to do it, okay? I'm doing this on my own regard. Located at 1052 Union Road in the Southgate Plaza, right up in the front near Applebee's and where the Bontown used to be, Vaughn's Collectibles just opened up. Yo, I took a, I had a day off, went in there, checked it out to see what they got. They've got everything from sports collectibles to old WWE memorabilia. They've got fucking those little Funko dolls with the big-ass heads that people be collecting. They got Wii. Nintendo 64s, PS2s, they've got fucking everything in here. If you're trying to start a man cave and you want a couple of signed cards or maybe you want a signed Devin Levi fucking picture with a rookie card and a fucking AHL card, you can get that. You can get stuff. I mean, they got a signed LaFontaine picture. They've got a bunch of shit in there. And that's just the sports. That doesn't even go into the action figures and the WWE collectibles. And hey, if you're one of them kids that was like, oh, WWE's fake, I don't like that shit. I'm sorry, bro, but I was into that shit. They got old Ultimate Warrior figures. They've got Undertakers of all the fucking eras. They've got everything in there. They got a whole vinyl record area, so if you're into albums and you want to get your little vinyls and you want to get some nice new stuff, they got everything from the Beatles, Elton John, Bruce Springsteen. They've got it all here. And I'm not speaking for the guy, but it seems like he's willing to take more and negotiate about things if you've got something worthwhile. So hit up Vaughn's Collectibles in the Southgate. Super dope. I'll definitely be going back there myself. Go and check them out. 1052 Union Road in the Southgate Plaza up in the front near Applebee's. Welcome back to the old New York Mafia edition. Welcome back, baby. I said we were only going to do a couple weeks of these every now and then, but now I'm doing another one. We've had some big things going on in Buffalo sports, and folks, I can't act like they're just here and I can avoid them. I can't fucking avoid them, all right? We got some big things going on in Buffalo, so we're just going to chat it up real quick, maybe about a half hour, maybe an hour. I don't want to do it too long. But starting off right now, it is, I don't know what fucking day it is, and I don't really care either. Go Bills, big win against the Kansas City Chiefs, 22-17. Boys and girls, what a game we got in store for us. Here's what I love about the Bills and Chiefs. First of all, they're one of the greatest rivalries in NFL history. So if you think otherwise, you're just incorrect. Um, But with these kind of games, first of all, we should all be blessed. I'm very blessed to say that I'm 20 years old during this time. And I have the ability to go to these games when I want get fucked up and get rowdy. That's like the best part for me. But I'm very thankful to say that at this young age, I'm getting to witness greatness with two all-time quarterbacks, going to be Hall of Famers. One possibly is going to be the greatest football player to ever touch a football field in the world in Patrick Mahomes. But what I love most about these games, it's, it's a win-loser-draw kind of game for me. And here's what I mean by this. If we win, that's fucking ecstatic. It's elating. It's great. It's rejuvenating. Go Bills, Victory Monday. They're awesome. If we lose, we got something to look forward to. Hey, we're coming for you fucks in the playoffs. We're coming for you, you motherfucking barbecue-eating fat bastards. We're coming. And then if there's something that's you know tragic or heartbreaking, it just adds fuel to the fire. Not necessarily like we're going to tie, but... You know, you're always going to get a shootout with these guys. And I love that. I I live for the Chiefs game every year. And sincerely, I have no problem losing against them because we're going to see them again. Like, and now it's what? 
Kansas City won the first time, we won the second, then they won, then we won. And it's just like this back and forth slug match. It's fucking great. I love this rivalry, and we got to witness another fantastic football game on, what was it, Sunday afternoon, 425 start. Okay, that shit was beautiful. First of all, and also a thing I want to start making more uh, routine on these Mafia editions, is a player of the game for me. It's got to be James Cook. James Cook looked outstanding throughout the game. Uh, receiving, you know, that, that first little touchdown, oh, just flipping into the fucking end zone, going crazy. Um, I, I thought he looked great. I thought he looked stout. He knew what he needed to do. He didn't pussyfoot around in the backfield too much, found the gap, hit it, pew, went through the whole, uh, full speed. And I, I love what I saw out of Devin Levi or ha, Devin Levi. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about the Sabres soon, but James Cook, another young talent in Buffalo. Really happy with what I've seen with James Cook in this game. Uh, and he was he was involved. And that's a thing that I've realized with Joe Brady. Joe Brady, because you'll find with coordinators, they have schemes, obviously, but they have um, situations they like to get themselves into. And it seems like Joe Brady really loves the second and eight area. Because second and eight gives you area, or excuse me, it gives you room, I should say, to either run or pass, but you kind of got the defense in a weird spot because you look at the Bills in years past, and yes, we've been pretty much a pass-first team. But then we can run the ball now. We've got a good offensive line. So second and eight, it seems like he likes getting us to those second and long situations. It seems like the comfort or the offense is more comfortable. He's comfortable giving plays Josh in that area or plays to Josh in that area. Jesus Christ, I'm a mess. But I just, I'm... I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Joe Brady. It's not the same as Ken Dorsey, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I didn't want to go pointing fingers at Dorsey immediately. Because here's the thing, Josh Allen has played his fair share of bad games and lost us games before single-handedly. I mean, we can look back at week one and we can look further than that. I mean, there's plenty of instances where Josh Allen fucked the team. So I didn't want to initially just completely drown Ken Dorsey in all this doubt and, and you know, rip all the hope that we had coming into the season. Remember what we thought about Ken Dorsey? He's a quarterback coach. He knows everything about what Josh Allen likes. He's going to be great. And it, it stunk. It stunk. So I didn't want to initially just rip all this fucking hate I had for the Bills right onto him. Um, but now a couple weeks passed with Joe Brady running this offense. I, it was Dorsey. Dorsey was the problem. And here's another reason why I believe that. I've seen at least five times throughout that game, Josh Allen on the sidelines with a headset on communicating to coaches. We never saw that with Dorsey. We never saw that. Dorsey sat up there with his little fucking paper and his fucking faggot tablet. And he's sitting there writing shit down. Yeah. We never saw him communicating with Josh Allen. And I can only assume with Josh Allen having a headset on and every coach on the fucking having a set or a headset on that he was in communications with Joe Brady throughout the game. Very happy to see that with a quarterback who people want to say has been struggling realistically. He's been doing great, but nine straight games with a turnover or interception. I mean, it's not pretty. So with a quarterback who I'm going to say has been playing well, but struggling to a degree, I'm happy on the headset with a fucking, or, oh my gosh, I'm a mess, folks, sitting on the sideline with a headset on communicating with the guy giving him plays. Very happy to see it. 
Very thankful for what Joe Brady has done to this point, but there's a long stretch to go. Very long ways to go before the season's over with and we can really determine what Joe Brady's impact was. But at this very moment, I'm happy with it. I'm very happy with the change. Um, I feel like throughout this game, part of me wishes that we could have got some people a little more involved. Uh, and, and really the person that I'm thinking is Diggs. He had 11 targets and only four catches, 24 yards. We ran that same stupid-ass bubble screen a thousand times throughout the game. Did it work? Did it get positive yards? Absolutely it did. But, um, you know, I, I think that also comes down to game plan. Who are the Chiefs trying to stop? They're going to put Legereus Sneed right on fucking uh, Stefan Diggs. They're going to put their best cover guy on our best receiver, obviously. It's going to make it hard for him to get the ball, but I wish we could have. Uh, it seemed like there was attempts made, but not more uh, push in that direction to get him involved. It was just a lot of little screens and dial-up routes, you know, two, three yards away from the line of scrimmage. Uh, wasn't a fan of it. Uh, but realistically, receiving the ball this week, it was it was all James Cook. James Cook had 83 yards. The next guy up on the yards count, I mean, that's Dawson Knox. He only had 36 Three catches. So, and then Deontay Hardy with a nice 25-yard catch on third down. Really needed that one. Like to see it out of Hardy. Um, guy who's fighting for his position right now. But nobody had more than six catches. And then, you know, Cook had five, five for five. And then Kincaid had five for eight for 21 yards. I like to see that Kincaid's getting balls thrown to him. That's cool. Um but yeah, just really a, a, a quiet game on the receiving end and the passing game in general. But the rushing game looked pretty good. And I'll tell you what, man. I was excited when I was elated, if you will, when the Bills picked up Leonard Fournette. It's a guy who's been, you know, we've been talking about it for almost three years. I want to say realistically, it's been like two years we've been talking about this Fournette guy possibly coming here. And then we got him. And then he's got big quads, and we're like, holy shit. He's like, it's cold as a penguin's ass. You're damn right, buddy. This ain't Tampa Bay. But now I'm I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with the acquisition. Uh, last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. We talked about contracts and uh, people who are up this year, people who are up in 2025, and he's going to be one of those contracts. I don't think he's going to stick around. Reason being, this emergence of Ty Johnson, man, I'm very fucking pleased with what I've seen out of Ty Johnson from the New York Jets practice squad. This kid is hitting. He's got burst. He's quick. He finds the hole that he's supposed to run through. He understands it, and he fucking goes through there like a, I don't even fucking know, like his hair's lit on fire, and he's trying to run and just get it out. It's insane. I love what Ty Johnson has done. It seems like he's consistently broken the first tackle, but I mean, there is instances where he hasn't. And looking at this game, realistically, he didn't do a whole lot. He had five for 19 on the ground. So that's not a lot of rushing yards. And I don't even think, did he have any catches? He had two catches for two yards. Okay, so realistically, this isn't a great game for Ty Johnson. This wasn't Ty Johnson coming in and being that second back to really, you know, spark plug the offense, if you will, just like the old 2K badge. Uh, but what he's doing is consistently winning on rundowns. And we got to look at the years past. The Bills have not done that. Okay, the Bills have not been a rushing team. With James Cook having the abilities that he has, 
Latavius Murray being able to pound out two, three, sometimes four yards. Hell, he even bursts out for like a 20, 30 yard run every now and then at what, like 30,000 years old. And then this young kid in Ty Johnson, I don't see need for Leonard Fournette right now. I don't see need for the contract. And I don't feel that he's going to be playing for the rest of this regular season. But to my point, you win in the playoffs when you can run the ball efficiently, run clock, and take the other team's offense out of the game. So part of me feels like there's going to be this late in the year turnaround for Fournette's uh, not even turn around for his carries. He's going to be put in pads and he's going to be put on the field. But at the same time, I don't think he's a long-term option here. And let's think about it realistically. This running back room with Cook, Murray, Ty Johnson, now Leonard Fournette, Naeem Hines, and Damian Harris. We've got six capable running backs, okay? And Naeem Hines hasn't played this year. I love Naeem Hines. I was at the Patriots game with the two kickoff returns. He's a great dude. He does great things for the community, but he's $5 million in cap salary. And he hasn't fucking played this year because some idiot on a fucking jet ski ran into him. So I don't think we're going to keep him. I don't think we have the money to keep him is the real problem. I think we appreciate what he brings into the receiving game, rushing Eh, not necessarily the rushing game, the receiving game out of the backfield and in the slot, plus his return capabilities. We haven't had a true returner this year. Nobody has really sparked the offense uh, coming onto the field with a good kick return or punt return. We haven't had that efficiently. Deontay Hardy hasn't lived up to it. Andy Isabella looked mediocre, but a little bit better than Deontay Hardy, which is not a hard mountain to climb. And I, I feel like we should keep Hines ditch Murray, keep Fournette, and Cook. That's how I feel this should go down. And then get rid of Harris, and then maybe keep Ty Johnson. But realistically, money-wise, I don't think Fournette's... Uh, I don't think we're able to pick Fournette up. I don't think it's smart to pick Fournette up. I also don't think it's smart to keep Naeem Hines. I, I, in my perfect world, my running back room is Cook, Hines, Fournette, and Ty Johnson, and we could keep them all on contract for a year, maybe two, on cheaper contracts. That's my ideal world. But I, I think realistically, I think the Bills value Naeem Hines, and they're going to want to bring him back or even take that cap hit. I feel like they got Fournette for a fucking reason, not to just sit on the bench and talk with Diggs. I feel like we got him for a reason. And I also feel that Ty Johnson has a lot of potential as a, a second running back. Hell, he's a third running back right now, and he's doing all right. I mean, to be fair, this game, he kind of took the second running back role with Murray only having like three carries. But I just believe that's the best situation for me. That's what I would want to see from the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, I'm not Brandon Bean. I'm not Sean McDermott. I can't make these things happen, which really sucks. But I feel like the running back room is going to bring up some weird situations in the offseason. And I'm excited to see what happens throughout the rest of the year. But I feel as if... Uh, oh my god, excuse me. I feel as if that it's too much money going to too many different or players with too little cap to work with. So... I don't know what's going to happen. I hope for the best. But the running back room is tricky. But Ty Johnson just has looked outstanding. And then, and you cannot not Cook right now. I mean, Cook's having a great year. Uh, now he had 10 rushes for 58 yards. 
and then five catches for 83. Do the math. It's over 100. I don't know how much that really is. Um, total yards um, throughout the entire Kansas City game. I don't know. But, hey, it was a pretty good game for the running backs, and they kind of sparked this offense, and we really needed it. And that actually leaves Cook at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th. Tenth in the league for rushing yards right now, with seven hundred and eighty nine yards. So I mean, I, I, I just—it's not incredible, but it's not anything that we expected. I mean, we expected Cook to be good, but I don't think we expected him to be tenth in the league in rushing. Just you know, judging off of what the Bills have had rushing wise these past couple of years. Uh, but you know, really good game. I do want to talk about this defense a little bit. I felt like the defense played well. I felt like they did their job, did what needed to be done. Uh, but nothing impressive. Nothing impressive. I mean, Taron Johnson led the game with what? Six, seven, eight, nine. Nine tackles, three assisted. I mean, nothing huge. Benford with a huge strip on Rasheed Rice uh, to really turn the momentum in our favor in that, what, third quarter, I think it was. And I think Johnson also came up with that recovery. Uh, but nothing, nothing huge here. No huge impact plays. Uh, oh, except for AJ Epinesa. There's another contract we got to worry about, Mr. Epinesi. Epinesa with another batted ball turned into an interception with a decent return. Um, very proud of how Epinesa has played. I feel like the Bills uh, now consider him as the top re-sign. Or, uh, how, how should I put that? They're the top of the list. He is at the top of our list for re-signing players right now. I feel like he deserves the money. He's earned it. They, he was drafted, what, was it first round? Or was it second round for Epinesa? I forget when he was drafted, but out of Iowa, I mean, you know, the Bills wanted him for a reason. He's living up to that potential. I think he's the guy we got to bring back, worry about, you know, Gabe later and everybody else. But Epinesa is my big one right now. I'm, I'm very happy with how Epinesa played. But the defense was was all right, you know? We did, we did okay. But that brings me to the last play of the game, which is the real reason I want to make this podcast. Um, the last offensive play of the game, for the Chiefs. Or was it the last? Was it fourth down? One of the last. The one where Kadarius Tony had his big toe hugging the fucking line of scrimmage. That's the play I'm talking about. First of all, that play goes, not only are we, you know, realistically, we got a minute left. What? Do we have three timeouts? Maybe two? Like, we've got a good chance at winning that game, even if they score it. But looking at that play, the fact that Travis Kelsey had the balls to do that is incredible. Um, and, and it was a great play. And, and I feel like realistically, even though we would have had a shot, we probably would have lost the game uh, just on how they were playing us defensively and scheming up against Diggs and our receivers. It would have to have been all James Cook. Uh, I, I feel like that's an L for us if they score on that play. But gets called back, Kadarius Tony foot on the line. Now, first of all, that's stupid. This is very, very stupid by Kadarius Tony. I'm not some guy who played college football or was the best on my football team whenever I played, but I understood how to play football. I got the basics of it. And I played wide receiver on the outside. Where I'm, I'm lining up on the outside each time. And the first thing you're taught when you play football, especially wide receiver in Little Loop, is when you line up and you put your foot on the line, you look at the ref and you give him a thumbs up. You say, hey, man, am I on the line? Am I over the line? And they tell you to back up or go forward. And they tell you when you're good. 
That's the first thing you learn. And when you're in the slot, you tell them you're off and they say, okay. That's the first thing you learn. That is football 101. The fact that Kadarius Tony lost his team the game after dropping a wide open pass in the first quarter, after dropping another wide open bubble screen in what, like the second or third, and having all of Arrowhead boo him? You should be checking that you're on the line of scrimmage. Nobody's perfect, okay? Just check, and you'll be fine. And that play stands. And, and Travis Kelsey but like, just adds on to his Hall of Fame resume for great plays. And Kadarius Tony gets a little revival with the Chiefs fan base and his team and his locker room in general. But no, you didn't do what needs to be done on every play of the game. Then, actually, I do believe they get a first down and they, you know, they go through that uh, one, two, three, fourth down, throw it, miss it, end of the game. Um, and then Mahomes came off the sideline and was very visibly upset. And this game, I'm sitting at home, sitting watching with my girlfriend, we're freaking out. We fucking won, yeah! Patrick Mahomes comes off, starts yelling and screaming. She goes, what a fucking cry, baby! What a pussy! And I'm like, hey, okay, let's think about this, though. If you're on his side and you're the quarterback and you've done everything you can to keep your team in the game and you got what? I don't even remember how much time was left, but later in the fourth quarter, you've got more than enough time with timeouts to win the football game and you lose because of that? You're going to be mad. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be screaming and yelling at everybody. That's understandable. I don't think he's a crybaby. She's like, ah, fuck him. He's a pussy. I'm like, all right. But I I don't think that's fair. The point where I wasn't happy with Patrick Mahomes is when he goes to shake Josh Allen's hand. Guys, football's been around since the dawn of time. Not necessarily, but it's been around for a long fucking time. And it's not only uh, the proper way of ending a game, but tradition for the quarterbacks to meet once that clock's winding down, it's the end of the game. Shake hands, say, hey, pleasure going to war with you, buddy. Stay healthy. Good luck to you guys with the rest of the way out. That, that's like when you go to a job interview and the boss walks in to interview you and you stand up and say, hi, my name is Steve. It's a pleasure to meet you. That's not only tradition, but it's required, it's necessary, and it's mandatory. However you want to put it. Mandatory, required, I don't give a fuck. The fact that he has the audacity to go up to Josh Allen, say, what a, what a bullshit call, man, with his fucking dumbass voice. What a bullshit call. Stupid, fucking stupid. And you see Josh Allen, he's like, what? You see the confusion in his face. Like, why would he, why would he do that? Why would he say that? I can't believe that. That's tasteless by Mahomes. That is childish. It's unneeded. It makes you look like a fucking clown. And I'm sorry. I get it. I get it. Hey, Patrick, come here. I get it, buddy. All right, you lost. And it stinks. It really stinks. And it stinks when Kadarius Tony can't keep his foot on the line. Okay? I understand. But hey, that's not a bad call. You can't go yelling at the refs for making the correct call. You just can't. Okay? 
You really can't. It's unfair to them. Those guys get paid too. They get enough guff from the fans every week. There's no need to add into that shit, man. That's not cool. Okay? You gotta stop. And how about you tell that early human-looking motherfucker in Kadarius Tony to keep his goddamn foot on the line? And and this is when it really changed for me. Because not only was I mad when I saw him go up to Josh Allen and do that. That's, that's, that's ugly. That's, that's stupid. Ugh, you shouldn't do that. Okay? But I want to play this clip. It's by Dan Orlovsky. It's on NFL Network uh, the next day after the game. Dan Orlovsky is a, a guy that I respect because he held Josh Allen's back when people were complaining about the turnovers and you know, all that kind of shit. But I like Dan Orlovsky in general just because I feel like his opinion's fair. He went back and looked at the game and took a look at what happened. What happened to the Buffalo Bills? Or, excuse me, the Kansas City Chiefs in this instance. And I just want to play this clip and take it how you want to, but just listen. Number one, Kadarius Tony, you should always look at the official to say, hey, am I on? If you did that and the flag got thrown, we got an issue. If you didn't do, do that, the Chiefs got to figure out, oh, we got an issue. So I went back. I watched every single snap from last night that Kadarius Tony played. Not one time did he check with the official. But that play that we're talking about was not the first time it happened in the game. This is the second play of the game. His first snap. Kadarius Tony's oh, up excuse top. Excuse the music. I didn't know there was going to be music in that clip. I'm sorry. Um, but what he goes on to say without you having to hear that shitty good morning football guitar riff is that Kadarius Tony lined up offsides actually four times throughout the game. But throughout the entirety of the football game with every play that he played, he didn't check with the official whether he was on. The line of scrimmage. That's football one-on-one. Okay, Patrick? So, how about you take your shitty little fucking Muppet attitude and go yell at your fucking receiving room who couldn't catch a ball if their mother had a gun to their fucking head and tell them how to play football correctly, okay? There's no need to come at Josh, not even Josh, he wasn't coming at Josh Allen, but there's no need to make yourself look like such a fucking sore loser. And you want to complain about losing on a play that your team fucked up on? It was you, it was Kadarius Tony that messed that up. And you want to complain? We lost in the AFC Championship to a coin! To a coin! Not even a dollar! Fucking quarter! Is what we lost to. It's what held us back from winning a Super Bowl. Against you. And you have the fucking audacity. To come. And, and up to Josh Allen and say that's bullshit man. That's bullshit. Fuck you Patrick Mahomes. And, and what I will say. Is I, I just saw before recording this podcast. Patrick Mahomes released a statement in a press conference. Uh, this is. A post from ESPN on Instagram, uh, just a snippet of what he said. He said, you can't do that. Can't be that way towards officials or really anybody in life on how he handled the end of the game. And he says, more than anything, I regretted the way I acted toward Josh after the game because he had nothing to do with it. So, did he apologize? Yeah. Well, it's fine. You know, forget about it. It's like a fart in the wind. It's gone. But... I feel like that is the first true time that Patrick Mahomes had made himself publicly look like a fucking clown. Um, 
And I think that is the clownish move we've seen this year. Uh, right up, at, I'll say it's 1B, and 1A is when, this wasn't this year, but I think it was last year, where Zach Wilson was asked in a press conference if it was his fault that they lost the game or the defense, or the defense could have played good, and he ended up blaming like the team. I can't remember the quote exactly. But I put those in the same category. You look like a clown. You can't yell at the refs for making the correct call. You cannot be disrespectful to the opposing team's quarterback who you see all the time. You see him regularly, postseason and regular season. And you are the two best at your craft in the National Football League right now. I feel like this is a real damper on Patrick Mahomes' character. I feel like it's a damper on... Uh, or, or a wet spot on this rivalry. I feel like it'll always be remembered. Uh, and also, I I believe that Kadarius Tony is worthless to that football team. Of these past couple weeks, does he have things to bring to the table? Yes, he's extremely agile. He's very fast. And I want to say he has good ball skills, but as of recent, he does not. And that fucking clown had the audacity to go and front his reign to the Giants in the offseason. You didn't do anything in that game. You caught a bubble screen for a touchdown. I could have done that. I haven't sprinted in over a fucking year. I could line up and catch that bubble screen and make it look just as pretty as Kadarius Tony. You did nothing. You did nothing. I think he's a clown. I think he should be cut. There's no other options in that receiver room other than Rasheed Rice and uh, Marquez Valdez Scandling or Scatling, who also had a, a kind of a rough game. He was well covered, and sometimes the ball just didn't get to him. Jesus Christ, that went. Uh, and sometimes the ball just didn't reach him in the spot that he was in. So I think he's a good receiver, but this receiving room does not have a lot of options. So you can't cut him now, but he's not going to be on the team next year. I just, I can't see any reason for them to keep him on the team. Is he a gadgety type player that can do a lot of things? Yes, but he hasn't. So what do you do with that? I, I've said this before. If Tyree kills not fast, what is he? If Randy Moss can't catch a jump ball, what is he? He's a volleyball player. Okay. Kadarius Tony has not proven anything. I don't think he's worth anything to that football team. Moving on from the, the game itself, big news in the AFC, we're one of the six teams still in contention for a playoff spot, baby. We're working. Okay, we still have a chance here. We still have a chance. And other big news, the Dolphins lost to the Titans. Uh, Tyreek Hill got injured in fantasy. I, what the fuck was that? Oh, dude, I'm in auto-tune. I'm in fucking... Dude, should I do a whole Mafia edition in auto-tune? That'd be fucking crazy. But the Dolphins ended up losing to the Titans in, in uh, just a weird game. Tyreek Hill got injured. Him and Jordan Love fucked me. I lost in fantasy by one point. One point. And I had Tyreek Hill and Jordan Love to play. And this fucking retard had like a tight end or something. God damn it. That fucking hurts a lot. Thanks a lot, Tyreek Hill and Jordan Love. Um, but Tua did not look good without Tyreek, but that's a whole other point in itself. Uh, they end up losing to the Titans, and that helps us tremendously. Now, I actually don't know, and I, I want to take a quick look at what the Dolphins' uh, schedule looks like for the rest of the year. I'm not positive. So now, this Sunday, they're going to be facing the Jets, 
and then they get the Cowboys and Ravens. So realistically, they win that game against the Jets. That brings them to what, 10 and 4 now? And say, I think we got the Cowboys next week, correct? Uh, let's see here, Bill's schedule. Bill's schedule, there we go. I can't type shit. Yes, we have the Cowboys and the Chargers and the Patriots. So realistically, if we win out, we'll be what? 7, 8, 9, 10. We'll have 10 wins. If they win on Sunday and then lose the last two weeks, we'll both have 10 wins. Then it will come down to point or differentials. So we have a possibility of winning the division. So now, yes, we're in the wild card race. We are in the wild card race, and there's a possibility to squeak in that way. But if we win the division, then we're in the playoffs. End of story. So we're banking on some Dolphins losses here. And we're, we're all Jets fans this week. Get your Jets fans. Get your little hats on. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Okay, I'm going to get an Aaron Rodgers poster, and then I'm going to rip its ankle off and then put it on my wall. Okay, we're all Jets fans this week. Fuck the Dolphins. We need them to lose. Uh, so there, there's a couple of possibilities. Now, it's not just squeaking in by a wild card. There's a, a chance to win the division, which is something that we kind of expected us to not even be in the race for. But with this game, it's huge to our playoff hopes. And with the rest of their schedule, they got the Cowboys and the Ravens. Those are tough games. Those are tough games, especially if Tyree kills out with an injury to his ankle. So we'll see what happens. But uh Great, great news for the Buffalo Bills. Not the injury, but their loss. Um, great news. We love to see that, and we love to have our playoff hopes pushing forward. Um, and then there's you know six different teams that we could go over who they face for the rest of the schedule and get down to every nitty-gritty part. Uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't care. But go Bills. Fuck the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes. You suck, buddy. You suck. Your receivers suck. You suck. Fuck you. And if we see you in the playoffs, we'll handle you there. Okay, bud? Fuck yeah. Go Bills. Uh, quickly, I do want to talk about the Bandits game. Uh, the, the Bandits played their first game. I forget who they played against. Uh, let me see here. I think it was only one game to this point, right? It's got to be. And why are there so many fucking planes going over right now, man? So many goddamn planes going overhead. Uh, man, who did we face? Let me see here. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, maybe we'll bring you some fucking bandits coverage next time. Oh, wait. Hold on. Wait. Did I get it? Did I get the box score? It's hard to find this NLL shit. Nobody really does NLL podcasts or anything like that. Uh, so it's, it's hard to find leaders sometimes. Oh, yeah. So we faced our first game in Albany against the Firewolves. Um, holy shit. Josh Byrne had seven assists and two goals. My God, what the fuck, man? Great game from Josh Byrne, man. What He's a dog, too. Josh Byrne is one of the better forwards on, uh, or middies, if you will, on the Bandits. Great game for him. Nine total points. That's probably leading the NLL right now, which is crazy. Uh, and he had 11 shots on that. Jesus. Great game. Uh, Vince, I don't know how to pronounce the goalie's name, too. If anybody knows that, fucking... Commented or sent me a direct message. Uh, Matt Vince, Vince, I, I don't know, our goalie who's one of the greatest goalies in NLL history. 33 saves, good game. Um, and then Chris Coultier, four goals. Uh, that those are, those are the big things. I'm not getting the full box score here, so I wish I was a little bit more 
fluent with this, but we ended up losing 17 to 13. Uh, lost our first game against Albany. Next game's coming up soon. I think it's a Saturday, and I'm going to find a better source. I thought I had a decent one, but turns out I did not have a very good source for these stats. So let's forget about this little bandit section. But go bandits! Uh, repeat championship year. We'll have more coverage on them in the upcoming days. I'll find a decent source. Let's get into the NHL, folks. A uh, couple big games for the Sabres. Hey, couple big games for the Sabres. Uh, first off, th- when I recorded. The last podcast, I forgot to mention, I was upset with the Sabres still, but that day or the it was the day after possibly, we ended up stealing one against Boston, which is a crazy game to win. Three to one, Sabres win. Um, Olofsson scored a goal, Paterka scored a goal, Tomer scored a goal, Clifton and Cousins had apples, and that, that's really about it. Uh, great game for the Sabres. Great what a game to just give us a little rejuvenation, okay? To push us forward uh, through the rest of this year. Because my lord, we having a rough patch there with Tom around. Uh, obviously, Quinn's coming back in January, so that's a missing player. We're trying guys from the AHL. We're giving things shots in Savoy and Rusek, and, and things were just weren't working. We dropped Levi for a little while. Levi comes back for this game, only lets one goal in. Only lets one goal in. He had 32 saves. Or, excuse me, 31 saves, 32 shots attempted. Uh, great, great game from Devin Levi. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into this further with these next couple games. But, man, ever since he's gotten back from the, the Americans, the Amherst, he has looked fucking insane. Like, I, I'm so happy and pleased with how Devin Levi has played. Okay, we, we cannot knock this. Uh, like, Devin Levi is one of the better goalies in the NHL, okay? It's not happened yet. People won't believe me. People will say I'm nuts for saying it. He's good, man. And, and I'm telling you, give it time. Give it time. But it'll be Hashik. It'll be Miller. And it'll be Levi up in them rafters. I don't know when. I don't know how. But it's going to happen. So good game against the Bruins. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens game is one that I'm happy to say I got to watch the whole thing from. Usually I'm working later at night, so I miss like the first period, second period. We're down 3 nothing. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't care. Um, Back and forth. Huge first period, both teams 2-2, and then just fighting throughout that entire game. Overtime, both teams stall going to the shootout, and then three goals made against Devin Levi to end that shootout. Three, bang, 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 game over. So tough to watch, especially when it's a young goalie. Uh, you you want to see them flourish in those moments. Levi, who I've seen with my own two eyes in person, completely destroy breakaways and have a one-on-one situation and just clamp up. Extremely athletic, smart, and reactive. Uh, And then he lets up three goals right at the end of the game. You just hate to see that. That's like a morale thing. But Devin Levi, he's he's tough as nails. And, you know, he's he's had good game sense. He had a good game sense. But uh, what a dogfight that game was. So, holy shit. 
on the scoreboard. You got Oki Okaposo, the captain, getting his 600th point in the NHL. Congratulations to Okaposo, baby. Where's the fucking button? Where's the button? Yeah, there you go, Oki. Yeah, the boy Kyle Okaposo. Uh, and then Skinner gets on the board. Uh, Clifton had an assist. Tomer had an assist. Nothing really huge on the score sheet that night. Um, but really, really hard fought game. Tough to see that one lost. I felt like we were doing what we needed to do on offense. I felt like everything that needed to happen happened. And we kept ourselves in the game. And then it just dwindled. Uh, you know, and, that, and it's tough to see and tough to watch, but that's just the way the popcorn pops. So that's how it goes, man. Uh, but another good game by Levi. I mean, still two goals in the first period, but then, you know, look at both goalies. It's a shootout, or excuse me, a shutout for the last two periods. Call it three with overtime. I mean, just a really, really sad game to see go by. And uh, and now we, we got another ad read brought to you by Marijuana. Oh, shit. Uh, and then we're going to get into... What was that other game? Who we just beat last night? It was the Coyotes. Another great game. Cheers to you, folks. Holy fucking shit. Oh, my God. It kicks like a mule. <sighs> Dear Lord. Whoo. <laughs> feel rejuvenated. Last night, <coughs> we won against the Arizona Coyotes. First off, the Coyotes have played... What the hell is going on? Dude, I got this cord for my phone. I'm using my phone to read these stats, and it keeps clicking buttons on this fucking interface, and I'm hearing shit, and uh, whatever. Big game against the Coyotes. The Coyotes look, look great this year. First of all, I think the Coyotes kind of look like us last year. Really fast. They get into the zone. They stay put in the zone. Uh, their pass precision, precision and offensive awareness is just incredible this year. I felt like they've played great to this point, even though they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team right now from what they were projected to be. They're playing fantastic. Um, but huge win. For the Buffalo Sabres. Huge win for Devin Levi. A little bounce back from that that uh, unfortunate shootout that happened in Montreal. Um, and I just feel like with this game, the offensive pressure just helped us. I, I mean, if it wasn't for our offense, we wouldn't have won the game, obviously. But I feel like the offensive pressure took off that pressure from Levi. Yes, he let in a goal in the second and third period. Whatever shit happens. But realistically, I feel like in the critical situations in the game, in front of the net with three dudes batting at rebounds, uh, you know, Levi just looked great. He looked stout, and he looked like one of the better goalies in the NHL. And I'm really happy to see him bounce back morale-wise from this game. Um, but big news, Eric Robinson, not only... And in that Montreal Canadiens game, I forgot to mention... Scrappy fucking game, which I love. Every time I go to a Bills, or excuse me, a Sabres game, I want to fight. I want people in the box. I want black guys. I want blood and bones on the ice. And I love that Eric Robinson had enough. In that Canadians game, there was about two or three times where people got hit or things happened and there was a little scuffle on the boards. Nobody has the nads on the Buffalo Sabres to rip those fucking gloves off and beat the shit out of someone. I think Krebs has got it and I think Krebs has looked decent. We'll get into him in a minute with this game. Uh, 
But I feel like he's one of our scrappier players that's willing to drop him. Greenway, I feel like has it in him. We haven't seen it much, but he'll rip him off once in a while too. I need a little more grit on this team. We need some balls. We need somebody to step up and say, stop fucking with us and beat the shit out of someone. And I'm proud to say that our new acquisition, uh, I think he's a right winger. I forget. But winger forward Eric Robinson comes in. It was probably, was it the third period or the second period? I can't remember which period exactly later in the game and said, fuck it. Rips those gloves off. Mink, mink, mock, mink, boom, boom. Beats the shit out of someone so bad they eject him. They ejected him and they ejected. Who else got ejected in that game? Oh, wait, let me take a look at this. I forget because there was two ejections. There was, uh, hold on, let me, I, I can't fucking, dude, I need a producer. I need a producer on this podcast because I cannot speak and type at the same time. If anybody wants to be a producer, I'll hold some fucking tryouts or something. Uh, ejections. Hold on. Let me see here. But let me see here because I always a left winger. Excuse me. Eric Robinson gets ejected. And then there's one more person from the Sabres. Who was it? I forget. Somebody else got ejected, though. Really scrappy game. But I'm happy to see this guy, Eric Robinson, be willing to fight for a team that he just got traded to. He's a team player, and he's got balls, and he beat the shit out of someone, and, and God bless him for it, because we really need a spark like that on the team. And with Greenway gone, I feel like we lose a lot of that physical uh, play from him. We're not a very physical team. We're young, we're small, we're fast, and I, I love it when you see Krebs or Tomer or Greenway start fucking someone up like that. I love it. We need that on this team. That's how you're a successful hockey team because people fear you. So I really like seeing that. But then in this game, in the Coyotes game last night, uh, which I said 5-2 to win, hey, little Eric Robinson gets some good karma. Goes and gets three points on the night. Two apples and a, and a goal. First goal on the Sabres with five shots on that. Great game from Eric Robinson. Welcome to the Buffalo Sabres. And, uh, and thank you for your production to this point. Also, we see Oki get a three-point game. Another goal for the old man and two assists. So what is he at now? 603 points? Yeah, it's pretty good for uh, good old Capozo. Clifton comes in, gets two assists. Very needed. Very needed. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Connor Clifton and they're not happy with the production that he's had. I think Connor Clifton's a great player. But okay, maybe that's too far. I think he's an okay player and he has a lot of potential and we need to keep working him and keep him on the ice because I like what he brings. And he also brings that physical edge where he'll fuck somebody up on the boards even though he's not the tallest guy on the ice and beat the shit out of someone. We need some brawn on this fucking team. And I think Renato's seen it and Kev Adams and they've brought in people who have had that physical demeanor on the ice along with good play that fits into their system. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from these new guys that we have picked up. Also, Dallas gets a goal and an assist. Uh, great play by the $88 million man. Krebs gets a goal. Needed that. We need some production out of Krebs. And Paterka does his thing again. Um, Paterka, I, I want to sit here and just go crazy about him. I'm in love with Paterka right now. Uh, the breakout is happening. If, if you guys weren't aware, JJ Paterka is breaking the fuck out. Like he's having a great year. Let's take a look at what he's actually working with right now, points wise. Uh, JJ Paterka, dude, fucking A. My phone sucks, man. I, I get no service at my house. This is terrible. Uh, I want to see his season stats. There we go. So right now, he has 12 goals, 9 assists, 21 points in 
uh, in the year and what, how many games have we played? Fuck, what is it? It's got to be on here somewhere. I don't know. 20-something games, 30-something games. He was projected to get like 40 points total this year. Like 40-41. He's sitting at 21. Like, Not only do I think he'll beat it, I think he'll get maybe 50 points if he keeps playing the way he's doing it. Uh, continues to look great. I mean, we, we got to show love where it's, where it's due. And I feel like when it comes to this hockey team and its future, it's in our young core right now. It, it will be in our young core for a while. So we need solid players around Cousins, Tage Thompson, Darlene, Power. We need something around them. And, and we're getting that, thank God, out of this wonderful young core with Paterka, Jack Quinn, who will eventually be back. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Olufsen now. He's turned it up a notch. And I'm playing the fucking video. But Donnie Granado, Donnie Granado, he actually went after the game and he shouted out Peyton Krebs, Eric Robinson, and Kyle Ocaposo, that fourth line. Granado took the time to shout out this fourth line after the game, which they very rightly deserved. I'll play the clip now. Uh, no, I won't. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Instagram's so stupid nowadays. They play these reels halfway through. Krebsy and Oki showed us the right way. Every shift, they showed us the right way. Hell of a job by you guys. And Eric, where are you at? Welcome. Great addition. You love to hear that, man. You just love to hear that. It brings a smile to your face. Uh, hearing that this fourth line's producing these last couple games. Mainly this fourth line this year has been like, okay, go out there, play good defense, and don't get scored on. And that's all they're asked of, which is fine. But I love seeing production from this fourth line, especially in moments where people have not been playing the way we were expecting them to play, such as Tage Thompson. I think everybody was expecting a 40-50 goal year out of him. He's not played that way to this point. He just hasn't. So when you see that happen, and Quinn, who was producing in more of a, uh, how should I put that, more of an assist manner, we'll just say, for my nimble mind, uh, he, he produces and finds people and gets people open with his passing precision. Uh, we, we don't have that right now. Turk is playing great, thank God. He's one of those people I throw into this little fourth line rejuvenation these last couple games mix. Him, the fourth line in general with Robinson, Krebs, and Oki. Um, who else has played great this year? Why am I slipping? Darlene has really turned it up. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were expecting a lot out of Darlene. That's not someone who's just like, oh, I don't know where. She's kicking ass. But we've seen him turn up a bit. Olafson these last couple games. Turn it up. Had a really rough start to the year. And, and it's unfortunate because I was one of those people that was like, you know what? I think I'm done with Olufsen, but nobody's going to take that contract. So we got to keep him. And we got to just hope that something comes out of him, you know, the, you know, throughout this year, some sort of production. And that very thankfully has, uh, you know, we're, we're getting help from this young core, which is something that's not only needed. You know, for the longevity of our team, for the longevity of the season and being able to stay in the playoff race, but 
It's also just necessary to win games, man. It's necessary to have everybody firing on all cylinders. And I'm, I'm especially when you're having a somewhat injured season. We lose Cousins for a game, and then we lose Tomer for a couple weeks, and Greenway's been gone, and we had to put Levi down because he wasn't playing great, and Comrie gets injured right at the top of the year. Like, just a little bit of an injury-riddled season, too. You need these guys to produce, and they are, and I'm very thankful for it, man. I, it was one of my thanks, my, my little things that I was thankful for on Thanksgiving. I was very happy that the Sabres were playing again, but they were playing like garbage. So I'm happy to see them turn around a little bit, especially with those last couple lines. Uh, but that Coyotes game, in totality, was just a decimation. Uh, defensively, we were on point. Uh, a lot of pressure. Eric Johnson looked good in this game. Uh, I, I just feel like we won. You know, there, there's really nothing else to say. There's no huge storyline. Uh, the Sabres kicked the Arizona Coyotes' ass, and that's the way it goes. And another a pretty good game for Levi. And I forget right now what he had in this game or what his stats were. Let me look here. Excuse me. Boom, boom. And Levi was looking like somewhere on here, motherfucker. Ah, there we go. Yeah, 23 shots attempted, 21 saves, 91% save percentage this game. Just love to see it. That's what you want when you send a young guy down to the AHL for a couple games to just get his head on straight and come back up and play very well. And uh, Levi's done that. And this team has done that. And Okapozo's looking like he's 20 again. Well, it's just a, a little weird patch for the Sabre season so far uh, that I'm happy to say I was watching very intensely. Because go Sabres, why wouldn't you? Uh, we we got to keep it up. Really, that's, that's the name of the game now. We have to keep up the production. Next game uh, is going to be tomorrow, which will be the 13th. And that'll be the Avalanche. All right? We're looking to get another nice little win. Then we got the Golden Knights, the reigning champions. The Coyotes will be coming back in town December 16th. Columbus, Toronto, New York, the Rangers, the Bruins. You know, a couple big games coming up here. So we're hoping to hit our stride with what's next. And what's next is the Avalanche. So they're playing good too. This is a rough patch here. This is a big patch. So... We gotta, we gotta hope that we can produce and everybody else can keep producing. So, I will end this here. Go Bills, go Sabres, go Bandits. I didn't say it in the beginning of the episode, but you know the drill. Okay? Follow the old New York on Instagram if you want to show support. I would very greatly appreciate it if you'd follow the old New York on Instagram. It helps me more than you'd expect. Uh, I'm going to throw, I've had a bunch of new clips from these last couple episodes. I'll put them all as posts on the page so you can rewatch them. Uh, but I post clips as soon as the episode comes out or the day after. And uh, you can follow the old New York underscore on TikTok too. If you want those clips immediately before they hit Instagram. So yeah, if you want to be updated, hit the post notifications too. check out this episode, obviously on Spotify, but give us a follow on Spotify. Give us a little post notification follow there. And uh, every time a new episode comes out, you ain't got to wait for me to go out and market it. You know it's there. You can go check it out. I would appreciate that. Once again, go Bills, go Sabres, go Bandits. I wish you all a great rest of your work week. God bless. Peace and love. Breaking news. Sweet.
got auto-tune breaking news. What other podcast got fucking auto-tune breaking news? What other fucking podcast is doing it like the old New York? Nobody! Nobody. Uh, real quick, just editing this episode and trying to put it out for you lovely human beings. And I've got breaking news. Uh, basically, Justin Herbert's out for the rest of the season. Now, is that a good thing? No. That stinks. Injuries are bad. Injuries are nothing to be happy for. But that severely helps the Buffalo Bills since they're coming up on schedule. So I saw it, and I was editing this. I was like, well, I guess the audio file's still open. Might as well fucking add in the breaking news. So Justin Herbert's out the rest of the season. We got him coming up. There's some good extra news. When you thought the pod was over, there you go. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your week. Peace and love.